You're listening to Loving the Snow Life with Emma and Tennille. Tennille, our mum, and Emma, her awesome friend, share deep passion for the snow. They started a podcast together to share all their experiences with you. Between them, they have skied over 95 resorts, both held ski instructor qualifications, lived and worked in resorts, and still spent every hard-earned dollar skiing. They set their lives up around snow travel, and our ski bags are always packed, ready to go. We're certainly not complaining about this, are we? No way. And even better, we get to share all the experiences. Jess Hotter is an international freeride skier, winning Freerider of the Year in New Zealand for 2022. She talks to us today about big mountain skiing, growing up on the top island of New Zealand, her approach to life and competition and where she's headed next. (laughs) Hey, Jess, how's it going? Good, good. How are you guys? Excellent. Really well, really well, Jess. <laughs> so today we are speaking to Jess Hotter. That's uh, like a great name. I love it. Is it is? is did you get a lot of na- name calling when you're young about Jess Hotter being like the hottest girl in the class, or you know, smoking down a hill, or <laughs> anything like that? Nah, for some reason, all of the nicknames got um, like got turned into. Um, like basically taking hate on my boobs I don't know it all turned into like hooters related so yeah bloody kids (laughs) kids are awful you can never pick what you're going to be um have a nickname about can you like it it's you you cannot pick it even if your parents try and manage it when you're born like we won't have that because that'll turn into that it's always come from the side yeah oh kids will find a way you, you have absolutely shown those kids up. You are like music. <laughs> getting into who Jess is, is like you're a free, free ride athlete. You are the first New Zealander athlete to win a free free ride champ just last year. Tell us more. How you got <laughs> How How did that feel? And then we'll go back to the beginning. How did yeah. that feel? Um, yeah, it, it felt pretty amazing um there was a whole there was a whole mix of emotions because at the time like I'd taken a real big crash when I was told that I'd won overall and so it was kind of like this mix of emotions where it was like this is so amazing but also holy crap my body hurts so much that hurt (laughs) so yeah (laughs) oh yeah but it was it was all good no you know like I was I was super stoked and um managed to get on the phone with my mum and dad and and my family and it was just it was just a real cool moment they're yeah. watching from NZ. Yeah. And and also, can you just describe what is the event? What does it involve? What is A to B? Tell us about it. If there's yeah, something so, you often know what it is. Oh, yeah. No, so freeride, basically, you're given a big mountain face that's really steep and scary and it's got lots of cliffs in it and you're basically trying to get from the top to the bottom Um and well kind of the shortest time possible but you want to make it look pretty um you got to do it fast you got to do it fluid and you've got to jump off some stuff so it's it's basically how can you how can you get people to be like whoa that was cool so you're just trying to do that really top to bottom and um yeah and it's a judge sport yeah so so the judgment is on time is it on air in like time in the air so how, how is it judged it's got five different categories and I'm going to botch this because I always forget it. It's like line, fluidity, uh, air and style. Uh, yeah, I'm stuck there already and I should do have the rest. Do you, have to, do you have to have a shoot and do you have to have a jump and do you have to have a backflip? Because that's kind of 
when we watch you, that's that's what we see. Lots of that kind of stuff. You like you master the backflip. Uh, yeah, um, this season I yeah got I got my first backflip in competition in New Zealand here, which was um, actually in one of the qualifying events, so not in like the highest level of competition. Um, I've given it a go in the highest level of competition in my first year of competing on the tour, and uh, definitely crashed. But I was stoked that I went for it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you just you basically are putting together a line. It's all points based. It's like all a score out of a hundred, and a certain a certain amount of air is worth a certain amount of points and and then you get marked down for say stopping or you lose a ski you have no score so it's just it's honestly just piecing piecing the whole thing together and trying to ski it as best you can and it's really cool because it's very like it's very creative and you get to choose what works best for you so when you turn up at a mountain how many days do you get to suss out the mountain and who's your who works with you on your team to find out the best line <laughs> so you're basically doing it on your own um and wow. you get one day you get one day and they they call it inspection day so the day before the competition uh most often the day before the competition it kind of depends on the weather window and what's happening like as far as the weather goes but yeah. um usually inspection day is the day before the competition and then the next day is the competition so you never actually get to ski the face before you drop in you just look at it through some binoculars Oh my wow. god! <laughs> so you get you get a you get a practice run, or that's it. You go in cold. No practice run. You're just going in cold, cold turkey, cold turkey. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I don't even like going cold turkey on Front Valley some days. Uh, no <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> warm up. <laughs> Far out. That is huge. I didn't. So there's like no movie set in your world. You are literally free ride athlete out there, one take, and that is it. So yeah, how do you prepare mentally for that? Um, yeah, that's, that's the whole, that's half the struggle, honestly. Um, it's, it's one of those things that like some people deal with better and some people deal with in different ways and everybody just kind of has their own way of coping with things, whether that's like feeling like you're ready to go like weeks and months leading up to that drop in or, um, you know, doing some deep breathing at the top of the face as long as you like the key is to know your run so well that you can't get lost because that's that's where like the fear sets in is when you don't know where you are on the face that's when things get scary yeah, not that it be- isn't already scary that's like next level scary yeah and there'd be so no time yeah, yeah yeah and how like I mean you've got one day to to check it out and everything and and to memorize but then you're up the top and you're looking at it it's like someone turns a map around isn't it so do you just do you try and memorize it from that point of view? Like I go left and right and Yeah, so you're looking at it from the bottom and then you like close your eyes and pretend that you're skiing it. So you're like, okay, I'm gonna like drop in and up there I have to so I have to turn like a little bit left and then there's like this little tree that I'm gonna use as my marker. Like you'll be like, okay, I've got to ski off the cliff just to the right of that tree, and then you'll be like, I'll do two more turns and then I'll be on to my next hit. Like so it's you're, you're pretending that you're skiing it. So you look at it and then you pretend you're skiing it in your head. Mm. So those words, I've just got to ski to the left of the tree off the cliff, never come out of my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> what made you ever want to do that? Where did you start? How did you get into it and think, okay, that's, ha- that's where I'm going to go? It was, it was just kind of this weird natural progression. And um, I've always, like, really enjoyed pushing myself and skiing. Um, 
and it's always just been like bungling it together with some mates, you know, giving giving stuff a go and and having some pretty heinous crashes and you know coming out of it being like, oh my god, the whiplash, my neck is sore, and then you get over it after a week and then you get back into it again. So it's it kind of just naturally led that way. Um, I always kind of wanted to give a free ride. Co- I saw like free ride competitions happen, and they did they did one at Whakapapa in the North Island um, called the Export yeah. Thirty Three Extreme. And um, I always wanted to enter it, but I was never able to because at 17 years old, you had to be 18. So I was too young. And then when I was 18, it was my last year of high school and I had mock exams. So I wasn't allowed to, mum and dad were like, nah, sorry, like this is important. You're going to ski for a living, do you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, who knew? <laughs> and um, and it wasn't it wasn't until a few years later after living in Canada for a year and then coming back to New Zealand, doing a couple seasons of ski patrol. And then I went to Japan for a season and um, randomly met these guys from the States and went skiing with them. And one of them used to be a free ride coach and he saw me ski and was like, you should, tr- you should sign up for these competitions. You should give it a go. And he's like, have you thought about it? And I was like, I've thought about it. Just like never got around to it, you know? And um yeah, I guess like that was when I finally was like, all right, I need to just do it. And at 22 years old, I competed in my first competition. Wow, that's amazing. Is 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 that seems young to me? But is that on the circuit? Is that an older start or not? With the way that things are running at the moment, that's actually considered to be quite late. Um, really? Yeah, back when back when I was younger, there was like no junior competitions. There was no kind of path into that free ride. You just oh. got to 18, gave it a shot, mm-hmm. and saw what would happen. But a lot of the a lot of the athletes now that are competing on the Freeride World Tour or qualifying for the Freeride World Tour, and e- and even in the qualifiers, you know, they've all moved up from junior competitions. So a lot of them are competing. I mean, there's competitions for ten year olds. So, you know, some yeah. of them by the time they make it to the open competitions at eighteen, they've already been competing for eight years, which is heaps. Jordan, is it is it like is it fist points that you're the FWQ points? Is it Freeride World Qualifying points? You guys yeah. and how you how you sorted, how you ranked? Yeah, so it's completely different from FIS. Um, we're not we're not FIS affiliated. Um, and it's all under the umbrella of the Freeride World Tour. So you've got, if you think of it like a triangle, the bottom is the Freeride World, uh, sorry, the Freeride Junior Tour. And then you've got the qualifiers in the middle, and at the top is the Freeride World Tour. And it kind of, you know, it like, yeah, just like a pyramid. And um, the, so the, uh, the junior, I don't really quite know how the juniors go into the qualifiers, um, but as far as the qualifying events, you have four different uh, levels of competition, and they're just they're called two, three, four, oh, sorry, one, two, three, and four star comps. Oh, yeah. A four star competition gets you more points. So if you won a two star, you get, I think it's eight hundred points or six hundred points. Yeah, eight hundred. I'm not sure. I think it's six hundred, maybe. And then if you yeah. win a four-star, you get 2,400 points. So you need to be working your way up into those high-level competitions. Um, there's two regions in the world. So you've got North America, South America, and then the rest of us. Um, and you get compared to people in your region. So, yeah, okay. so you compete. Did the two worlds collide at the top? Yeah. So, so you- people then go from qualify from either region, those two regions, and go up into the Freeride World Tour. And those who didn't requalify for the next season drop back down to the qualifiers. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So you have yes. to travel a lot. 
<laughs> you seem, um, I would say when I look at your videos and stuff, you just seem so relaxed and like you're really just enjoying yourself. And I, I liked your um, Instagram where you um, where you screenshot your yearbook. Oh, yeah. <laughs> a comment about um, that you're always, you just live to ski. Yeah. Like it just really comes out like you just live and breathe it for, dare I say, for fun. You know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely like when I was in high school I was that kid you couldn't keep off the mountain it was any opportunity to be up the mountain if you held me back from it I would be angry at you it was like do not get in my way of skiing I love skiing I'm gonna be there so mm-hmm. yeah it's yeah. definitely like my relationship with skiing's changed a little bit now as you know it's become my career which is crazy to think of but um <laughs> yeah, yeah through that change like my relationship with it has changed and morphed but I still like I still really enjoy it and think that there's nothing better than like sharing like, sharing a powder run with your mates, all of you whooping and hollering next to each other, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. So tell us about you growing up in Chiroa. Was it in Whakapapa? Is that where you spent your time? Yeah, so I grew up in Oakuni, which is on the southern southern uh, ski field, so Turoa, and um, I used to work at Whakapapa. But, um, yeah, I grew up in Oakuni, um, did a little bit of like did – just like the local ski programs as a kid. And when I was 12, 13 and 14, I did the Turo race team for three seasons. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And then, eh? There are some death cookies on Turoa, like, <laughs> like the biggest ice cookies I've ever seen in my life. So how that, <laughs> when you were racing, that would have been really, uh, I don't know, quite difficult to get around the gates and get around the ice cookies, I would imagine. It would have set you up for kind of a lot of the stuff that you ski in spring now on the world circuit, do you think? Yeah, I, do. I definitely, uh, you know, getting around gates when it was super icy was pretty uh, pretty spicy. You're learning to learning to cross-block your, your gates without pole guards. And I know it was just it was just real fun, real loose. And, um, <laughs> yeah, it was just a good time. I, I enjoy... I was I'm I'm a super competitive person so I was always trying to push myself even then so I think that was yeah it, it, racing just wasn't my scene though so I mean everybody you know some people love it and some people don't love it and for me it pushed me really really well and had I kept doing it I would have my skiing would have been technically a lot better than what it is now but um I just enjoyed skiing with my mates and just wanted to go do that yeah. Do you, do you think there's a crossover between the technical of skiing gates and to now freeze, like if you have to put on the brakes really fast and you're, oh, my gosh, or it doesn't doesn't cor- correlate at all? Oh, it it is, like, sorry, <laughs> tongue-tied. Um, <laughs> oh, no, racing. sorry. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, but racing seriously has been so valuable, so valuable. It is it's one of those things where you can tell whether when somebody has been a race, like has done race training in the past and it shows in their skiing on the free ride world tour. So there's heaps of athletes on the tour that have raced as kids. Um, and some, some of them have done like a bit of racing and a bit of freestyle. I think for like my thoughts on the whole thing is free ride programs are awesome and I would highly recommend them, but I think kids do need to get uh, a really good foundation in racing and freestyle too separately like separately from free ride because those things are so valuable yeah it's true it kind of takes you down the hill sets you up doesn't it, with balance <laughs> you can yeah 
sometimes you see freestyle guy free riders and go wow how'd they pull that off and it must be you know their balanced background <laughs> yeah well it's like so many of them have grown up in those like in those programs and it's been super 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 helpful for them um and I think like for me being somebody who hasn't traditionally been a freestyler like hasn't been I'm not that person who's super comfortable and super air aware and like ready to chuck my meat I'm trying to learn these things as an adult and it's real scary and to learn that stuff as a kid would be way better so I highly recommend that yeah so where do you learn it are you coming to Australia and living in Jindy and going into our new stuff on our airbags and stuff like that or no 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 actually I haven't skied in Australia yet what I know, I know. I've heard, I've, I've heard the parks are sick though. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and you have a, and have you have a year round out airbag though, don't you too? Yeah, it just, it just came about. Um, I guess it's in Brisbane, which is in a warmer climate as well. So, and down in India, they're just fixing yeah. it all up. I guess we want to win gold. Yeah, in Winter Olympics, and that we don't have big hills, so set us up on those. <laughs> yeah, no, that's sick though. That's awesome. Um. Yeah, I've hit the airbag at um, at Cardi's a couple of times here, and that thing is freaking massive, and it's terrifying. <laughs> I basically like every time I hit it, I come out with whiplash. I'm, I just I don't know how these there is like, you know, kids hitting this thing one after another after another after another, and absolutely slamming, and they are fine, mm. and they just take it like such champs. I'm such a wimp. <laughs> no, it's called youth. <laughs> they don't know they don't know what injury is yet yeah no. I'm impressed you're even doing it I love it I love it that you're getting better at you know at what what they call at this age a little bit older I don't think it at all wait till you hit 47 well <laughs> and try and do oh. a heli kidding no <laughs> no oh, yeah. no I reckon you got it you just have to believe you just have to believe yeah, yeah. all right so you're heading to the northern hemisphere to Canada are you yeah, so I'm going to base out of Canada this year. I've um, got myself all set up with a with a spot in Pemberton, just um just north of Whistler. Nice. So, do you know Nat and Anna Segal? Do you know the Aussies over there in Revy? Yeah, so I, I haven't met Nat. I don't think I've met Nat, but I actually I got to film with Anna last season, and she's super super cool. Really, yeah. really, really, really lovely. Tell and us so about your movies that are coming. Are you are you yeah. getting right? Are you getting into that now? That kind of looking towards more movies orientated yeah so definitely still doing like I'm juggling I'm doing both the tour like both the competing and and the filming side of things and I think competing is really good for really good for um for filming as well in its own way it like gives you a reason to keep just absolutely pushing yourself which is sick um but yeah, we've got the um, the blank movie has just been is just out in the pre- is premiering at the moment. We actually uh, did a premiere last night in Wanaka here. Oh, awesome! Yeah, it was it was super cool. Tell us about it. Tell us about hey? it. Tell us about it. Give it a plug. <laughs> oh, it, <laughs> it's it's basically a group of just absolute lovely legends getting after it and having a good time in the mountains. And it's like far out, man. Those senders. There was um. There was one day last season when when I went out filming with those guys and it wasn't till the end of the day because obviously you're like, I need to get the shot, like I need to focus, I've got to get this, I've got to nail this. It wasn't till the end of the day that I like sat back and was like, holy crap, I just skied with like 
some of my biggest idols today and I met them all today. It was, that was crazy. Like crazy, you know, like Cody Townsend. What the hell? Like what a nice guy. And did you check out his socks? His socks. I didn't know he was sponsored by Levent. No, we're not. No, he is. He, him. He is. Oh. Not us. No, oh, no, no, yeah, didn't check out his socks. No. He's got no. a he's got a sock called Lascend. That's his, isn't no. it? That's yeah. sick. Yeah. He's really nice. He's a nice guy though. He's yeah, definitely. And um and Alexi, like Alexi Godbout, I've got a video of him on my phone playing. I have this I got given a harmonica by a friend a few years ago and it's become like one of my little good luck charms. Oh, and it's no. in my backpack all the time. And I've got like a video of Alexi playing it with ABM with uh, ABM in the background, like ready to drop into a line, and I was just like, "This is insane! This holy crap!" <laughs> loving life, I'm loving yeah. life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, gosh, so it's hard to get into the movies. Like, have they, do, do you only get that recognition now because you've actually won your title and you're, you know, and they're like, "Oh, well, let's take notice," or have they been noticing you for a long time just for the people out there, kind of on the side? Without oh, those those movie like the movie crows. Yeah. Um, I think they first kind of those guys first kind of um like I made a connection with those guys the first time. So uh, in 2020, when I was on the tour, um, I was traveling around with Blake Marshall, and because we're both sponsored by Head, we um went on a Head team trip, and the Head filmer for this trip is the Head filmer for Blank the Blank movies, mm-hmm. and. He was super stoked. I think I think he was super stoked on us on the on the vibes and skiing and um, kind of just stayed in contact. And you know there was the invitation to possibly go and film with them when I could get back overseas. Obviously things were a bit messed up with COVID and everything. It kind of made things a bit hard. I was really nervous that I was going to lose that opportunity because of COVID. But um, yeah, it came through, and I'm super super stoked. Bigger and better, yeah. So when you're living in Pemberton, like you kind of. You know, there's no ski resort, well, Whistler in Blackburn. Yeah. But is it, is freeride kind of like big wave surfing? You, they get towed out by a um, jet ski. Do you guys get out in the backcountry with all the snowmobiles and get towed out to the top of the hills or is it just, you know, around that area? It's kind of a mix of everything and it really depends on, it depends on, you know, how you want to be, like how you want your ski relationship to be with the environment and also, um, yeah, how much money you got? <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. So you're, you mean so you're either up on your helicopter or you're up on your skins? So you yeah. Of- well, I, so a lot of the blank crew work with snowmobiles for access, and then there's a lot of ski touring as well. So, um, and some, I mean, some other companies are doing heaps of heli skiing as well. So it just depends, and and I think especially in this day and age, there is more of a um, there there is more of a push to do things the old fashioned way, which sounds silly saying that but the you know the more environmentally conscious way and to not go and burn a bunch of aviation fuel if you don't absolutely have to so so some people are doing you know they'll do like a camp they'll do a heli drop so you get dropped into a spot and camp there for like five days or something and then you'll ski tour all of your lines from there and then just get a heli bump back out um some sometimes you're ski touring from the road sometimes you're ski touring off the back of the ski resort um, and sometimes you're getting access for a sled as well. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So is it all planned out for you? Like, or it's just weather, weather and snow driven? Weather and snow driven for sure, especially like that filming side of things. And 
and obviously the competition side of things too. And last season was particularly bad conditions on the Freeride World Tour. We ended up making a decision. There was a decision made in Kicking Horse not to compete on the face that we were meant to be competing on because of what had happened to the face. It had two days before we'd rolled up and it was apparently beautiful snow, uniform across the face. It would have been, you know, powder top to bottom. Would have been amazing. And then basically the day that we arrived that night, they had 130 kilometer winds hit the face and scour the shite out of it. So it became super hard packed at the top and then like heaps of sastrugi, which is like that real bumpy wind blowing stuff, which is actually like really hard. So you can't just like make a turn in it. You have to be ski straight on it. And when you're, when you're jumping off cliffs, and then dealing with that kind of stuff as you run out and not being able to slow down, it kind of becomes a bit of a safety issue. Absolutely, absolutely. So talking about um, like the, the snow conditions, when you're a ski patroller, did that help you out and be more aware of ski condition, snow conditions and also like the skiing? How did a ski patroller help you in your journey as well? Um, so yeah, I think ski patrol has been super, super helpful, um, especially because with in, within ski patrol and within learning about like snow conditions and stuff you're you're learning about different aspects and the way the snow is going to behave on different aspects and that's something that is super applicable to free riders because you're looking at a face from the bottom and you're like man okay what aspect is that is that going to have had sun is it going to have a crust underneath is it going to be icy on top is it going to have power so you're like you're thinking about all of these things where did the wind come from how's it how's the wind going to affect the snow so like that is all super, super helpful. Um, and also, you know, even just mincing about the mountain and ski patrol, you can get yourself into some pretty spicy places mm-hmm. and be really comfortable just standing on your skis. And the one thing that I think has come from patrol for me is that, like, I can quite comfortably get down a face safely, sidestepping up and down, like, moving about, you know, tucking in under cliffs and stuff just because of like what I've done in my job, which makes yeah. which makes it a little bit more, a little bit less like daunting, I guess. I know that if I am in a position that I need to get out of something, I can generally get out of it. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to panic, I guess, <laughs> like the rest yeah. of us. <laughs> right. Well, I I was curious about Japan as well because I know when we were um, interviewing Alex Parsons, it's just reminding me, I'm thinking of the, it's like, so many people have these epiphanies over in Japan. <laughs> it's like someone's waiting by a tree to point you in your career direction. Um, whereabouts yeah. in Japan were you? Oh, I was in Maseko. So I was living in Harafu. And um, that day, that particular day where it's like you should go free ride a go was actually at Rizutsu. And we were ski touring. We There's like this, I think it's, it's a supernatural park. I can't remember what it's called. I think it's supernatural park on one side of Rizutsu and we'd like ski toward up the hill like next to it and we were skiing like laps on that mm-hmm. um and I tried to do a backflip um I tried to do a backflip off this like little kicker thing that we like we stomped like a little takeoff into a into a lump of snow basically mm-hmm. and I got upside down and was like ah shit I can't tell what's up and down because like it was it was foggy it's Japan it's friggin' dumping with snow and you can't tell up from down and especially when you're upside down, whizzing through the air. And I seriously under-rotated it and scorpioned on my neck. And the guys were like, oh, my God, she's broken. Like, they thought I'd broken my neck. And they were, like, real worried about me. But I was I was all good. But they were like, man, if you're attempting this kind of shit, you should definitely give it a go. Like, give the comps a go. 
Yeah. yeah. It's a bit of a no-brainer, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like, Rizzotto reminds me of a lot of Canada, actually, that resort. Like I like the four-line skiing and the tree skiing down the, I think it's the right-hand ski, it's the right-hand side. Yeah, it's one of my yeah. favourite. It's yeah. super sick, yeah. So yeah. what's next? You've got your, so you're moving to Pemberton and you're starting a new season. Like, no, the yeah. whole, like is it one season or were you trying to train for longer? You know, have you got like a three or four year plan? Or sort of. Take <laughs> each season as it comes. I try to take every season as it comes because the thing with the free ride world tour is it's so fickle. It's extremely hard to stay on the tour because you'll have 50, there's 50 athletes on the free ride world tour. And halfway through the season, they cut the field in half and only half of the field goes on to the, on to the next year. So it's oh, just so easy to end up off the free ride world tour. Wow. So, yeah. So it's one of those things where like, you have to take it as it comes. And if you, you can't get too butthurt about things and obviously it's, it sucks. Like you've put your heart and soul into it. It's so hard to get through the qualifiers to finally get on the tour and to only get three, like one and a half minute runs and then be bumped back onto the qualifiers is extremely, extremely painful. Like yeah. that's super, yeah. that's super hard. So it's like this real fickle thing where, you know, you can't plan too much because your plans might be cut short. Yeah. And that's heartbreaking a lot of the time if it doesn't happen. So the more, the more tours you got, so you really have to go to every event then, don't you? Because if you don't go to every event, you haven't yeah. got a chance. Oh yeah. No, you have to go to every event. Yeah. That's expensive. And then who, um, who have you got some sponsors at the moment? Yeah. 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 So I'm currently with Head and Mons, um, Head, uh, sorry, Head Skis, Mons Royale, um, Peeps. I have got like a, a local sponsor um, through a ski shop called Snow Center in, in Auckland um, and Alpine Physio in Wanaka. Um, shit, who else? I think that's, that's, mo- that's pretty much most of it. Um, that's awesome. I love these athletes. What was that? Sorry. I love the people, like the businesses that come out and sponsor you guys, sponsor athletes. It's just no, you just no one's doing it. <laughs> Not enough of people are doing it, is what yeah. I would say. To yeah. see what your body goes through and what you literally do, like down a hill, if you're, if yeah. you're a enthusiast, like it's incredible. It's mm. really incredible. There just there needs to be more funding though for. Like yeah. those people that are go because like it's all well and good being in the like once you get to the free ride world tour you're often like actually getting paid by sponsors your sponsors are giving you money but those those crew that are on the free ride world qualifier are working their titties off to make that happen like yes often working like two three jobs in the summer they work their butts off to make mm-hmm. that shit happen and it's it's just it's super punishing like if you if you put all of that money all that time and energy into it and then you you know have a few crashes and it goes poorly it's it's quite it's a lot of highs and a lot of lows you know like it's one of those sports where it brings together the most amazing people and the coolest community but sometimes it's it does hurt Mm. yeah how how do you find the uh the new zealand ski scene the like i mean in australia it seems like such a small community snow snow community how do you find it? It's it's a lot like that here too. Um, I think the the North Island's very separate from the South Island, and, but you know, because like I was that I was that random that one kid who came from the North Island and got it. You know, everybody 
a lot of people overseas are like, oh, so you're from Wanaka, you're from Wanaka, you live in the South Island. It's like, no, 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 no. Like everything that I am and everything, you know, my whole foundation of skiing is from the North Island. Yeah. It's, you know, that's where I come from. That's my home. And I choose to be in the South Island because the weather is more consistent, basically. Mm. Um, But yeah, like the, the ski scene, especially down here is just every, it's so frothy. Kiwis just love to get after it. And it doesn't matter how shit the, comp, the, the conditions are. They'll just give it, give it hell anyway. I think that's why so many, so many Kiwis on the free ride world tour now. Like we, mm. we are punching above our weight as far as like population goes, um, yeah. population versus like number of spots on the tour. Yeah. I know um, when we uh, we interviewed Ed Lee and he was um it was the beginning of this year and he was based over in Europe and he just said there's so many Kiwis over there. He was, he's, yeah. yeah. But, uh, you know what? You guys are, it's great. We we love it. Australians are pretty similar, I think, in some aspects, you know. We just, doesn't matter what you offer us. It's like, oh, okay, I've got to jump over that creek to get to that snow, to get to that rock to go. <laughs> you know, if there's no snow, we're still there. If there's plenty yeah. of snow, we're still there. If it's raining, we're still there. Well, not anymore, but a lot of people, <laughs> you know, yeah. I think we just love it. We just, you know, we just love a sport and we're going to, and we're all a little bit competitive in our own hearts. We want to, if we're going to do something, let's do it well. <laughs> yeah. Let's not half-ass it. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. I think a lot of people like feed off their mates here, you know, like everybody goes out skiing, has a good time and they all like want to one-up each other. And, and that's kind of like where that progression comes from, but also mm-hmm. like, I think the cool thing about the New Zealand ski scene, it feels a lot like Canada where it's like share it as with, with as many people as possible. You know, there's no, there's not as much ego. There's not as much like douchiness. It's just like, let's all have a great time. Yeah. I want to ask you, I know we're going to wrap up shortly and ask you our question. We love to ask people, but what do you do if you're not skiing? You personally, what do you like to do? Um, so I really, I started biking a couple of years ago, just during lockdown, like half of the world. Um, and yeah, I really enjoy biking. I've still got the same bike that I had when I, you know, like I bought a bike just before I went overseas and then we went into lockdown. I was super lucky to have that. Um, so I've still got that same bike. I friggin' love biking. I've started getting into surfing. Surfing's really fun. Um, I just, it's basically, I just go out there. What was that? How far is the beach from Monica? Oh, you can go to Haas, which is like an hour and a half-ish, but It's pretty gnarly west coast. I usually go down to I usually drive like three and a half hours down to Colic Bay. Um I basically just go there for a light drowning to get chewed up and spat out and come home again. <laughs> <laughs> you like, do you like cold water? Um I think you don't really have an option, eh? Hey? You have to like it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you're gonna love Pemberton. Like you're moving to bloody mountain bike capital over there in outside of Whistler. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's got yeah, amazing, amazing. So I guess we'll we'll kind of finish up with our favorite question, um, which we ask all our guests that come on. Um, Should I be nervous? And no, no. <laughs> it's really it's got everything to do with loving the snow life. Uh, where is where's your favorite place to ski in the world? Oh shit, that's the hardest question ever. <laughs> um, okay, are we talking just like the place that feeds my soul, or are we talking like the best snow or the best terrain or the best spring snow. Uh, oh, I know. Uh, Give us some more. Give us some more. Place that feeds your soul and the best snow. Okay. Feeds my soul. Treble Cone and Fernie. 
Um, best spring snow, Ruapehu, hands down. Wow. Um, yeah, I've never I've never skied spring snow like I have at home. It's like full, wide open hero turns, and it's just so good in spring there. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, powder, the deepest powder I've ever skied was in Austria in St. Anton. Um, they're so good at it in San Anton. <laughs> what was that? They so get a lot of snow in San Anton. You've just got to be there when they get it because it doesn't oh. happen. <laughs> yeah, I got so lucky. I like rolled. It was the first season I'd done in Europe and I rolled in there and maybe skied for like, oh, it's like the snow started when I arrived. And if I hadn't have arrived, like all the roads closed, it got so much snow. And wow. We just skied gondola laps. It was just like the lower gondola open. It was all that was open for like three weeks. And we just skied laps on that. And it was it was like if you fall, you can't get up. It was so hard to get up. Oh, I love that. I love that so much. Awesome. I, want that. I want that this North American <laughs> ski season. <laughs> Chanel's about to fall. Yeah. Oh, sick. Yeah, that's exciting. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it is very exciting. Well, we're thank you, Jess, for taking the time. Like, Addy, you're going to have a busy year this year, and we're so excited to speak to you. Like, it's amazing just hearing how you got to where you are and where you've got to go. There's still places you've got to explore. Yeah. Oh man, there's the the, the cool thing about just like general traveling, and there's so many different types of traveling that you can do. And yes, I've seen really, really like heaps of places around the world and everything, but. Like I haven't been anywhere that's not not got snow. There's that opens up so much. True. Yeah. <laughs> True. Don't give that's up exciting. on the snow yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we're looking forward to seeing you what you achieve this season, and and it, it, it's the next free the next free ride tour will be so much more meaningful to everyone after they listen to you. So I love, oh. yeah, just hearing all the little like oh one last little sneaky question: How do you approach a shoot? Do you just like go and, bang it? Stuff like a tiny shoot or a a tiny one? Yeah, your tiny ones. Ooh, it depends. Are, you, are we in competition or are we skiing normally? Well, uh, normally first. Yeah, Emma's never going to be in competition. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cautiously, cautiously, you don't yeah. just go stuff it. No, it it all depends on the snow conditions. Because if it's if it's not like real predictable snow all the way down. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna like take my foot off the brakes. I'll probably like stay in control. It just it depends where you are as well. Like if you're in the backcountry and you're doing like a big backcountry mission, you know, like you've got a lot of self preservation as well. Like yeah. you don't really want to be putting yourself at risk. And and if somebody had to rescue you, you're out in the middle of butt fuck nowhere. So it's like yeah. you don't. Yeah, you don't really want to. It just it honestly all depends on the situation and the snow conditions and how much risk you want to take. And as you do it more and more, you get faster and faster or you look at it differently. It just, yeah, it's one of those things. I love that. Great answer. All the mothers out there are going to be applauding you. (laughs) (laughs) Look, I have like jump turned and like sidestepped, side slid down so many shoots because I've been like, nope, I don't like this at all. So like, yeah, don't, yeah, Yeah. it's, you don't need to go balls to the walls to, to get down a show. That's for sure. So don't point your skis down and go into a tuck or anything. Nah, not unless you've got a real nice open run out. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. Not many of those, but yeah. Thanks, yeah. Jess. Yeah, thank you. you. <laughs> thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to Loving the Snow Life with Emma and Tennille. 
If you've learned a handy tip or two, then happy days. To catch all our episodes, subscribe on iTunes. It's free. Head over to www.lovingthesnowlife.com.au for more info and follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Loving the Snow Life. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, then email us on our website. Thanks to everyone who leaves a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to share our episodes on your social media.